to make a rich, smooth cold brew. Tim Horton steeps 100% Arabica beans for 16 hours. What could be richer than that? Well, uh... How about blending in swirls of sweet Irish cream? Rich enough? Ooh, I guess. Not quite, because Tim Hortons tops that cold brew with the cloud of sweet cold foam. Now, what could be richer than that? Nothing? Exactly. Irish cream cold brew with cold foam now at Tim Hortons. Or try cold foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating U.S. locations. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase. The more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. If you're a seeker, don't miss the inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening, Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder Sander Cochran's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers throughout the Americas. Sandy's initiations across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt, combined with her knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth, influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private readings, Sacred International Journeys, a meditative CD, and her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate your earthwalk and create a deeper connection to yourself. Find this and more at her website, starwalkervisions.com. Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiaki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiaki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Hello 
and welcome again to the Science of Magic, a place where science and magic come together to transform fact into evolving truth. We're coming to you through the leader in paranormal programming, the X-Zone Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, and can also be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring a safe place to be. Life is full of bumps and bruises under the best of circumstances. Just last week, my much-beloved 10-month-old granddaughter pulled herself up to stand using a folding chair on a slick surface. Right in front of her doting big brother's adoring mother and very protective father, she fell, the chair landing on top of her, bruising her little nose. Though we all saw it happen, no one was able to reach her in time to prevent the mishap. Her mom picked her up and rubbed the bump on the back of her head as the little darling cried, glaring accusingly at the faithless chair. Then her father did the most amazing thing. He lifted the chair in one large hand and shook it twice, exclaiming, Bad chair. Opening the slider, he threw the chair out into a snowdrift and closed the door. Problem solved, baby girl, he announced. It was such a novel reaction, I pondered it long afterwards. I've seen such incidences go very differently. Usually, a distraught parent says something like, I told you not to use that chair, now look what you've done. The two different approaches result in very diverse outcomes. In the case of my granddaughter, the chair, rather than the child, became the perpetrator, and Daddy promptly took care of it. Problem solved, safety restored. In the second scenario, the child is made wrong and thus responsible for something well above her skill level, seeing to her own safety. If the accident was the child's fault, they need to prevent it in the future, but are too young to understand the cause. Instead of being protected, they're blamed for their own suffering. They become totally overwhelmed, and the child's sense of safety is shattered. This results in a shamanic spiritual illness known as soul loss, whereby the child disconnects from their right to be safe in the world. Very often when people suffer soul loss, particularly as a small child, they don't have the wherewithal to process or understand what's happened to them. The parent has projected their feelings of guilt onto the child, who is left believing whatever bad thing happened to them was their fault. So, the first logical thing for the child is to figure out what they did wrong and avoid it at all costs. When the child doesn't understand what caused the incident, they feel out of control and unprotected, their life at risk. In the absence of identifying how to avoid repeating the unfortunate event, a child will often create a routine to give them a false sense of control over their environment and therefore their safety. This, this may circumvent any room with a slippery floor. Created solutions or routines become rituals they feel compelled to perform in order to assure their safety, and obsessive-compulsive disorder is born. These damaging scenarios inevitably repeat throughout childhood, while the contributing incidences are usually forgotten. The child feels increasingly at risk, compounding the compensatory behaviors. Any deviation from the ritual is perceived as life-threatening. Eventually, the routines become crippling to the point the individual's life is run by ritual rather than true prompting in the moment. A safe place to be becomes a prison of our own making, the origins of which are forgotten, lost in a quagmire of guilt and blame. Many of us have experienced this phenomenon to a certain degree without it becoming overly problematic, but in the extreme, it can be absolutely debilitating. 
So how does one find their way out of the tangled web of OCD? Our guest this hour, having tackled her own obsessive-compulsive disorder, may have some great insights. With us this hour is Kirsten Bagash, author of Leaving the OCD Circus. Kirsten is a member of the International OCD Foundation. She suffered from OCD for two decades before discovering that it had a name and a cure. After this commercial break, I'll introduce Kirsten, and together we'll explore the self-imposed prison of OCD and some very viable solutions. Could be quite freeing, so don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Prior innovative episodes can always be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere, Florida. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine such as hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a Southern Flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining rooms can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you visit, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 
44 North Broadway in historic downtown Felsmere, or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, Old Florida cuisine at its best. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Obsessive-compulsive disorder is a huge subject affecting an astonishing number of us. It's been misdiagnosed and misunderstood for decades. For this reason, I've decided to feature it as a subject on several episodes of the Science of Magic from various viewpoints, including the hidden, hidden magical, energetic, or shamanic aspect of the condition. This, our first episode, will be the, from the perspective of an OCD sufferer. Our guest this hour, Kirsten Pagash, author of Leaving the OCD Circus. Her website is kirstenpagash.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-E-N-P-A-G-A-C-Z.com. Kirsten, thank you so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. Oh, Gwilda, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity to speak with you and with your lovely audience. I understand you don't have a background in psychology or, for that matter, in any form of medicine. So what drew you to write a book on uh, the psychological disorder of obsessive-compulsive disorder? Well, I was an OCD sufferer for two decades. And throughout the process of really becoming the victim to this condition, I found my way out, and as I was maneuvering myself and going and visiting doctors and reading books, I gathered a lot of information about getting out of the OCD prison and exactly how I did it. So the book is dedicated to those that are suffering, that are interested in having more well-being and more peace of mind, and for the people that love them to get a better understanding about what OCD is and what can be done about it. So what do you see as the gifts and limitations of what you have to offer? Well, I think the, the gifts are, and this is one of the ways that OCD kind of worked against me, is that I am very imaginative and communicative and a visual artist. And so in this book, I communicate on a very deep level to the reader through illustrations, through words, through pictures to help them kind of navigate themselves out of their present condition that can be incredibly confining. So given everyone's history is different, how can a person be sure that, you know, your experience is, is uh, going to be providing what's appropriate for them? Well, I think that it's not a custom-made package. Um, however, what I do have to offer, I think, is customizable for someone to be able to pick up some really great insights. What I like to say is insights that help people kind of whittle their own key out of their own prison and by showing how I did that for myself, it is an inspiration to share with others how they can do it for themselves and really give them the, um, the guideposts, if you will. So would you please define OCD for us as you understand it? Sure. And OCD is so um, misunderstood, so I'm very happy for the opportunity to share the definition as I know it to be. OCD stands for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, 
And obsessions are things that are in your mind that you wish weren't there that have a very repetitive nature. And they're not something that you welcome. You'd really prefer not to have these thoughts. And oftentimes to shut the voices down or to make the obsessions go away, the person with obsessive compulsive disorder may act out a compulsion and maybe temporarily get some relief from the obsessions. However, with OCD, it's lurking in the corner and always ready to come right back at you. So I spent years of my life going from obsession to compulsion, back to obsession to compulsion, and very much kind of made my whole life scope a dedication to servicing my OCD condition. And the other thing I'd like to add is that OCD has really become more of a word in our common vernacular. And when I was diagnosed, there was very little material um, out there about OCD, and I was very hungry to learn anything that I possibly could. And now there is so much more information available that the people that may be listening that are feeling victimized by this condition or are trying to understand it better Yes, my book is certainly available to help, and there's also many other things available to help as well. So what should a person do if they suspect they have OCD? I know that, you know, it's this isn't just an is or an isn't. It's like a continuum. You know, all of us are obsessive and compulsive to a certain extent. But what should a person do if they're kind of wondering, hmm, this is kind of over the top? Well, I think that with the um, OCD, there definitely is a spectrum, and there are some people that I consider them to be kind of functional with OCD, maybe not even realize that they have OCD. Um, There might be um, a mantra or a a doctrine that they stick by and live by, like having an incredibly um, clean house and maybe not being able to leave the house until things are just perfect. And oftentimes people see this as, hey, this is my life and this is just the way that I have to be. And it seems like through the material that I share, it does strike chords with people that makes them say, hey, wait a second, this does sound a lot like what I'm coping with or what I'm, I'm dealing with. So do, do, should they go see a professional? What do you think there? Well, I think that, you know, each person is, um, they're going to, find what they believe will work best for them. And I can offer a lot of suggestions. Um, However, um, it's not a one-stop shop. There are things that people can do that can be incredibly helpful. Um, One is to take the Y box test, which is available online. That's Y like yellow, B like boy, O like Oscar, C like cat, S like Sam. And it kind of gives a general questionnaire to find out exactly where am I with this thing called OCD, kind of how deep in the woods um, am I. And so that's one way that someone can get information. There's also the International OCD Foundation, which has an incredible amount of great information provided by researchers and doctors and other sufferers. And that can give you some really good insight into what OCD is. And lastly, um, OCD, yes, you know, people may have a little bit of OCD tendencies. However, when you actually have the condition, there's nothing silly about it. There's nothing funny about it. And it really does take over your life and imprison you. And 
the people that may be listening that are saying, gee, maybe I have OCD, probably what I'm saying is, is resonating with them. Christian, would you mind sharing some examples of, um, of the obsession compulsion so we can get a clearer picture of what this looks like? Sure. Um, again, the obsession and the compulsion, um, those two things usually work in tandem. There are some people that have pure O, which they don't have a compulsion to kind of work it out. Um, they just stay obsessing in their head maybe over and over again, uh, thinking of a list or redoing a list in a competitive uh, uh a way that is um, over and over again in their in their own minds, and with OCD, there is. Um, pardon me one second. Can you repeat the question? Sure, no problem. I was saying if we could have uh, an, a you know a real life example or a couple of real life examples of, of what it is, so we can get a better feel for what it looks like. Gotcha. Um, with each person, it may be a little bit different. However, there are some things that um, tend to go on, and that is uh, how it actually manifests with a person. So you may have heard people being compulsive cleaners or hand washers or people that are terrified of germs. There's, there's people even that move from state to state because um, they're so concerned that either they or their families are going to get an illness. And with OCD, there's always a catastrophic thing um, attached to it. So if my house is not clean, if my hands are not washed properly, something absolutely devastating and catastrophic is going to happen. And because it's in your own mind, it really is the voice of authority. And because the voice came to me when I was nine years old, it had many, many years um, to become more and more the um, drill sergeant, if you will. However, even though in my book I speak directly about my own experiences, I am a checker, I am also a perfectionist, and I also have issues with spatial relations. So someone might see a picture frame a little crooked on the wall and go, oh, hey, that needs to look better. Um, what I'm talking about is that objects and all the spaces between the objects, I felt a real need to control. And if anything was out of place, that could literally um, derail me for the day. So even though everyone who would read my material might not be a checker or a perfectionist, they will probably very much identify their own manifestation. And with OCD being so mercurial, it really can show up at different times and in different ways. And one of the things on the International OCD Foundation website is there are some very common um, traits that people with OCD might have and someone might identify with um, maybe something that they never even thought someone else had they could relate to. So how did you discover you had OCD? I discovered that I had OCD um, very far along in my illness. And I always knew I was on the weirder side, uh, creatively speaking and artistically and imaginative and so forth. Um, so I always knew I was kind of weird, but I also knew that I had this voice that I listened to and kind of obeyed that I really thought other people didn't have in their minds. And the best thing was to kind of keep it secret 
and tucked away and not shared with people because you really don't want to be um, pointed out as a freak or a weirdo or strange or unacceptable or tainted um, in any way. You know, the idea when you're young is to try to fit in, not, you know, um, show, hey, here's me, all my ugly warts and all. Um, you just have a fear that people are going to shun you and, and not accept you. And with the condition, um, I knew I was getting significantly worse and worse and that my illness was really taking over. And I would go in high school to the local library and I would look up different mental conditions. I would look up schizophrenia, I would look up bipolar, I would look up all these different things, even depression. And in some cases, I could relate and say, gee, that kind of sounds a little bit like me, but I never really felt that I nailed it on the head. And when I was diagnosed at age 32, that was one of the first times that I even heard the letters OCD strung together. And it really became an experience to understand that there was actually a name for what I was suffering from and that it's an actual medical condition. And in addition, that this medical condition that I had of chemicals misfiring in my brain wasn't my we're, fault. And if I could say anything to, have, to the listener. Gonna have, we're going to have to take a commercial break. We'll pick up with this on the other side. Kristen and I will return to our discussion on the flip side. We're coming to you through the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine show and hosts on the xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. There's more coming on this very important topic, so don't you guys go away. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. 
Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. Welcome back, folks. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Kirsten Pagash, author of Leaving the OCD Circus. Kirsten, we were talking about how um, there, well, you know what, what caught my attention was you said that in your... Ready for payroll that's pain-free because it's perfect every time? Where employee nightmares like insufficient funds, overdraft fees, and missed payments could become a thing of the past? Then you're ready for Betty. With Betty, new from Paycom, employees do their own payroll, giving them greater paycheck insight and the ability to resolve issues before payroll submission for greater accuracy and peace of mind. Learn more at paycom.com slash Betty. That's paycom.com slash B-E-T-I. In case there, a voice started appearing in your head. Was that like an audio hallucination? What were you looking at there? 
Um, you know, I don't think it was an audio hallucination um, to the extent that someone with schizophrenia might experience this sort of voice. Um, for me, it started almost like a friendly voice that was offering something to do or maybe a little bit of a game to play, like tapping um, my index finger on a surface to a certain number perfectly a certain amount of times. And it was kind of like, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting. I'm being offered a, a little um, exit from my reality. And this is kind of fun. I'm being set up with a challenge of something that I can actually perform. And then with this voice, it was kind of like if I pleased the voice, then I was going to be okay and maybe my family would live another day. And it really became the voice of authority. And these little games that I would play became much more demands and much more drills and things that I absolutely had to do, um, no ifs, ands, or buts. So it kind of led me into to be, hey, we're kind of friendly to no, we're not. I'm the voice of authority and I can crush you if I want to. And this voice became completely a mental bully that um, just ripped down my self-esteem, my self-worth. Um, it was absolutely a painful existence. And I know people with OCD experience similar pain. And my mission is really to help them, free them, and give them some, some succinct ideas and tips and techniques of how they can successfully take down their own mental bully um, so they can get to a more joyous life much faster than I was able to get to mine. Mm. Can, can OCD be dangerous? Absolutely. Um, when you don't have control of your own mind and your own thoughts, um, that can be incredibly dangerous. And there are some things that your OCD um, might tell you to do or else. And people find themselves in very precarious um, situations. Um, maybe someone is uh, fearful of hearing alarms at, at night or, or what have you, um, or anything that could motivate them to try to do something. I, I know a gentleman who was always fearful that on construction sites the orange cones might be misplaced and if they were misplaced this could cause an accident and because he had this special knowledge he felt it was up to him to go to the construction site and make sure the cones were okay well out on those type of sites or on the highway or what have you if you have a hard hat on and you're very skilled sure you can maneuver in that area However, when you're not that person and you're just being driven to madness by this cone you need to fix, otherwise a catastrophic outcome could happen at, um, at you not doing the right thing, such as fix the cone. You can be out on the highway trying to do things that um, you really shouldn't be out there doing. So what, you know, it seems like if, if these performing these things seem life, not performing them seems life threatening, what happens when another person interferes with your rituals? Well, that can get really challenging because you are hell bent on making sure that you satisfy this mental bully known as OCD. And if you don't satisfy this mental bully, then holy heck is going to bust down on you 
and your life will be living hell and it'll be amped up um, to 11 on the dial. So you really do anything to quiet and hush and make this inner narrator, make this OCD happy. And if someone says, hey, we're not going to go that way. We need you to be flexible. We need you to go this way. You can really feel like a spaghetti noodle uncooked that breaks in half. And you really get rushes and surges of fear and anxiety um, racing through your body and heart palpitations and obsessions and your world starts spinning and you'll do anything to make it stop, hence the compulsions, hence the name of my book, Leaving the OCD Circus. When I came up with the title, it wasn't the circus of fun clowns and cotton candy and a good day um, with your family. It's the hellish, nightmarish circus. And we do such crazy things to try to turn that volume down, try to turn that off. And what, what without you... proper care and tips and techniques, it's very challenging to get that voice to quell. What have you found is your greatest personal challenge with living with OCD? Um, I think one of the things was to realize that it was going to be with me forever and it was something that was going to be up to me to manage properly. And oftentimes I say it's similar to someone who's diabetic. Um, you don't usually stop being diabetic, but you do learn things to manage it. And so maybe they would like to be around sugar just like everybody else. But because of this special condition, um, they need to manage their life and everything in it to help and reinforce their well-being. So it's kind of like, gee, I've got this thing, I'd really rather not have it, but reality is I do have it and I need to manage to it. It seems like living with somebody with OCD would be very difficult because their life is so dominated, it would be very interfering in, in the flow of yours. What can you tell us about the difficulties faced by a person living with somebody that has OCD? Well, often OCD kind of takes over um, and really kind of dictates how everything is, is going to go down in the household. And sometimes family members, unaware they think that by servicing the OCD and not challenging it, that that's the way to go to keep the peace. And actually, on the contrary, um, there's things that you do that may not feel good in the beginning, but create a more healthy space and environment. So if I could say anything, it's that um, kind of like weeds can take over a yard and just run rampant. That is how OCD, that is how the nature of it can take over families, school, um, relationships, and oftentimes people just really retract because they don't know how to cope with everything that's kind of um, consuming. Right, because when an OCD sufferer has to have such control over the environment, uh, everybody else in that environment is, ends up suffering with them, don't they? Yes, very much so. And what happens is there's a lot of confusion and oftentimes a lot of anger and um, just emotions that are hard to sort through, especially when you don't know what's going on. And I would say the first step in awareness is understanding the nature of OCD and what is actually taking place. 
And it's just like anything else in life. Um, once you realize, going back, um, Gawilda, to your story about the chair, once you realize, gee, this chair is dangerous and this poses big difficulty and we need to do something about it, um, just getting that knowledge of what is going on is the first step. I've got a tough question for you here now. How do you see your OCD as having benefited you? Well, I would say I've been to the pits of my own darkness, to the pits of my own fear, to my own mental dungeon, um, you know, nightmarish circus. And I work incredibly diligently to be on the other side, which is to have a bright, happy, expansive, joyful life because I know the other side so well. So throughout the day and throughout the rest of my life, I consider myself on a wellness campaign on every level because there is no way that I'm interested in going back to how unhealthy I was. And I'm so strong about wanting uh, positive and joy and goodness and I so much want that for my fellow man, um, child, woman, um, whomever, that I want that same freedom and that same joy for them and so I'm really an advocate and really a fighter to help people get that mental bully out of their way so they can get to a much lighter, brighter existence. Well, I commend you on a beautiful job of transmutation. It's a wonderful service in the world. I really don't think we recognize how rampant OCD is in our society. Do you? No, and I I think that it's actually underreported, if I had to guess. The stats on it, at least the last time I checked, were one out of every hundred adults. And to me, that sounds incredibly off. Because when I was writing the book and sharing with people and really getting myself out of the OCD closet and opening up and letting people know of the challenges in my life, I would hear other people secretively say, gee, this sounds like a great book for my dad, or gee, this sounds like a great book for me, or um, this kind of sounds like my brother. And a lot of people had just one one degree of separation from someone that they knew that suffered from this horrible anxiety disorder and were very interested in getting their hands on the material to either understand it better themselves or to help someone in their life get to a better place. So I'm going to say that it's a lot more than one out of a hundred. And the challenge about OCD is that there is such a secretive nature about it. And so it takes a lot for someone to say, hey, I'm going to open up this door and share with people this disorder that's, you know, um, you know, bringing havoc to my life. Oftentimes, just like people in an abusive relationship, they do everything they can to keep everything, um, you know, under the radar, if you will. Well, it seems like also it's um, not as obvious as some disorders because, okay, so somebody's a neatnik. Um, if you're not speaking about the, the quiet obsession in your head, the behavior can just be of somebody that's very precise and tidy. Yes, and oftentimes it looks actually good on the exterior. Um, my OCD went into a shadow syndrome, which is uh, frequent for sufferers, 
And I spent my um, later high school years being completely obsessed with my weight and very hard on myself of what I would allow myself to eat or not eat. And my OCD convinced me that for me to be loved and to be accepted, I needed to be thin. And so thin was what was on the bullseye and what I needed to achieve. However, the unrelenting nature of OCD is I would lose 10 pounds. And OCD we're, would say, we're going well, to, gee, we're that was... We're going to have to take another break. I'm going to pick up on shadow syndromes on the other side. Christine and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, the scienceofmagic.net, the place where altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric create common ground for the betterment of our world. We're brought to you daily by the leader in paranormal spirituality and alternative health programming, the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. President of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com.
Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? I'm Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, and on The Secret to Everything, we will merge the practical with open investigation into all realms of the mysterious. We will talk to cutting-edge alternative health practitioners, those who inspire and motivate you in business and life, and of course, we will share stories of the paranormal, conspiracy, and cryptozoology. You will transform because of the frequency I carry, the frequencies my guests carry. Life may never be the same after you listen to this program. For the secret to everything is for you, the listener. For those who desire more in every area of their lives and believe that it can still be found. Listen and discover thesecrettoeverything.com. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500 plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic. We're bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Golda Wiecka, and one of those gifted people of service is our guest this hour, Kirsten Pagosh. She's the author of Leaving the OCD Circus. Kirsten, we were just getting into a really fascinating subject, and that's the uh, shadow syndromes that oftentimes OCD sufferers run into. Would you mind sharing more about that? Sure. Um, When I was in high school, I suffered uh, greatly from anorexia. And the whole thing for me was that to be acceptable or to be loved, that I needed to be thin. And so OCD really did a number on me and would say, hey, you'll be, you'll be loved and, you know, people will um, care about you, but you really need to lose some weight. So how about losing 10 pounds? And then I would lose 10 pounds and then OCD would come back very viciously and say, well, you know, you're still really kind of fat. So 10 pounds really isn't enough. You need to lose another five pounds. And I kept staying on this cycle over and over again and believing this voice that I had to be thin or else, um, you know, all love would be lost and I would be disgusting and nobody would want to be with me, that I got down to 98 pounds and I'm about 5'7". Um, And so it was incredibly dangerous and I was so destructive to myself and hurting myself But the goal was so I could have some peace of mind and so I could feel like I was loved and being accepted. And that's such a huge thing that when I believed this voice in my head, the only way to get it was if I did X, Y, Z. Oftentimes, OCD math is if you do X, Y, and Z, you'll get this. 
And so things are connected in strange ways. So, you know, um, if you, and, and this wasn't one of my um, conditions, but I have heard of it, um, people that might, um, you know, hurt themselves by pulling out hairs or whatever, um, you know, that's tied to if you don't do this, then this is going to happen. So if you don't do this in a repetitive way, just a certain way, your dad is going to die or your mom is going to be hit by a car or whatever. And the problem is this voice, you give a lot of credit to it and you say, okay, yep, you're the voice of authority. So I'm going to believe what you're telling me and what you're being told is complete nonsense. And, um, the problem is it's it's very difficult when that voice is so booming and looming in your head and will do such pain and horrible things to you if you don't perform a certain way. And that's why people do such crazy things. They really want it to stop. They really want it to be over. They really want to hit the bullseye so they too can get peace and mental stillness. And it really ends up like being a dog that chases its tail. And I've found that you don't need to exist like that. You can take down your mental bully. You can find ways to maneuver and do things to manage your OCD so you can survive and you can live a beautiful life, an expansive life. Our guest this hour is Kirsten Prakash, author of Leaving the OCD Circus. Her website is leavingtheocdcircus.com. Kirsten, um, do you think OCD creates anxiety or is a result of anxiety? You know, that's a good question, and um, I think I think both. Um, OCD is an anxiety disorder, so it definitely um, fits into that category. It's also a medical condition where you have a chemical imbalance. And so it's, um, you know, very debilitating because anybody suffering from anxiety, you know how tough that is, um, OCD or not. But at the same time, because you're trying to hide this abuser, you're trying to keep it a secret and just try to keep yourself functioning. Um, oftentimes it causes a lot of anxiety because you're holding in the secret and almost living a double life. I had my external person that did well with my career and so forth. And then I had the the internal person that I didn't share with anybody that was a complete wreck. And when you're kind of being split in two, that causes tremendous anxiety within yourself. Um, you don't feel like you're one complete. You feel like you're divided, and it is a, a very rough existence. It, it sounds awful. So what causes OCD? Do they know? Well, there's a lot of different studies that have been done, and the the best knowledge that I have is that it can definitely be um, through your DNA so it can be from the nature, if you will, of the nature and nurture equation. Um, and then also um, the type of, um, you know, nurture that you had. Um, oftentimes OCD can kind of be an escape route. And for myself, for instance, I believe that 
um, OCD was heavily on my dad's side of the family. I believe that he had undiagnosed OCD for his lifetime that I knew him, um, which led to very heavy drug addiction because you really try to um, pacify yourself from how horrible you feel. And so with my childhood, it was very topsy-turvy. There was not a lot of stability. It was rough going. And OCD for me offered a little bit of an escape route, a little bit of um, an oasis, if you will, where I could control things and make my world feel more stable. You know, I found the first step in overcoming a thing is first becoming a witness to it and observing yourself doing it. Would you mind speaking to this from your personal experience with OCD? Absolutely. Um, when I was diagnosed with OCD, it was with a, um, a doctor specialist who was very kind and wonderful and did so many things um, that were incredibly helpful to me. So I was very blessed by being connected with him. And one of the things that he did was offer me ways to kind of separate from the behavior and kind of look at it as an observer. And I actually would take notes on myself during the day that OC would take place. And we reviewed those notes, and I was shocked how pretty much all of my time was being consumed with this. And that was called homework. It seems like time loss is a big part of OCD, isn't it? Oh, my gosh, yes. You are robbed of time, and that's one of the reasons that I'm so determined to help people is because time is your life while you're here on this planet, and you should not have it robbed from you by a medical condition that's an unrelenting bully. Life is just way too short, and to be robbed of time and robbed of your peace of mind is not fair. Is there any no cure for OCD? Well, I think that cure is a pretty heavy word. I think that there are incredible tools that you can get access to to help you with OCD. I can say that through cognitive behavior therapy, working on my own thinking, and exposure therapy, which seems very contrary because um, rather than having everything neatly in a row, you intentionally move something um, out of the row and just start dealing with that anxiety that you get from not having things be completely the way OCD wants them to be. So the, the route to freedom is really through the obstacle, um, if you will. So it sounds but like a cure, um, you know, I, I can say I'm a lot um, better than I was. And the OCD in my life is at a complete minimum. And when it pops its ugly head up, I've learned ways to recognize it immediately and label it for what it is rather so, than being swept up into some trance of obsessions and compulsions and not being able to find my way out. It sounds like the methods offered are replacing one, you know, the debilitating rituals for something less limiting. Do you find you have a tendency to become obsessive over the techniques? You know, I, I don't. I think I spent so much of my life being obsessive and um, being, you know, a cat on a tin roof that 
I really try to keep myself in check and kind of check in with myself and see where I am. And if something's getting me too dialed up or too anxious, that gives me an opportunity to look inward and say, okay, what's going on here? And almost almost play my own doctor, if you will. It's almost like I have to wear a little uh, white lab coat and take a look at myself and say, hey, self, what's going on here? And start identifying um, what is the stimulus and what is my response. So have you found a creative way to personally channel your OCD? Absolutely. And I think that having access to my imagination and to my creativity is really terrific because that's where I enjoy um, being artful. And having access to that in ways that are helpful to both myself and other people is, is wonderful rather than having it work against me, if you will. So you can take all that energy and be of service to yourself and to the world. That's beautiful. Absolutely. And I think, too, through the book, it's almost like I offer um, breadcrumbs out of the dark forest through my artwork, through my words, poetry, and so forth to help people really navigate their path out of this miserable condition. So in parting, what would you say would be the most important first step for an OCD sufferer to get hold of their their situation in their life? I think that gaining awareness about what OCD is, that it is truly a medical condition, it is truly a chemical imbalance, and it is not your fault, is primary and start learning about, well, what is OCD anyway? And awareness is the key, and understanding Kirsten, thank you, thank is you also. So, thank you so much for being with us. Our guest this hour has been Kirsten Pakash, author of Leaving the OCD Service Circus. Her website is leavingtheocdcircus.com. As always, I love to hear from my listeners. If you want links to more information on shamanism and OCD, have any comments or topics of interest to share, please email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net. This has been The Science of Magic. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge, comforted with love, and always have a safe place to be.